Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. I will wish everybody out there a happy Monday, and I will apologize forthwith for not being able to record Wednesday uh, last week. Uh, there's a lot of Endeavor stuff happening, and that's died down. I only booked 10 hours today. Yay me. So I went from 18 to 10 per day. We're calmed down, and everything is stable. We're looking at prioritization. This is for the first Endeavor. And for the second Endeavor, I had to tell them, Hey, I'm in control of the schedule, and that seems to be working. However, the moment I stepped away, all hell broke loose. And so I, I dialed in and checking on them, and yeah, they were all scattered. They didn't understand what was going on, and unfortunately, the other vendor that's involved was not communicative. They have a point of contact, but he was kind of scrambled because even he didn't know what his peer was doing. And part of my criticism with that vendor was, you guys need to talk to each other. You work for the same freaking company. So they, they really are kind of in a lurch without my assistance. And so I, that's why I felt bad about leaving them stranded. But this other dude that they got in there, he was causing some problems and he didn't know answers. And I just, it's like, okay, hopefully you guys know that you need me and hopefully we can get back on track and understand the way this works. So I've got more time now and I've been debating whether I want to change casual talk radio here at casualtalkradio.net to be a once per week recording. I've been debating it. I haven't fully committed or decided. I'm going to think about it because I, I think what that might help me do is I can possibly extend the episode ever slightly, go a little bit longer, not too much longer. I'll think about it. If anybody has any feedback, feel free to leave us the comment at casualtalkradio.net. Hit the contact form and let us know what you think. But I am debating that. And if I do once a week, I would definitely do Mondays just because Mondays, it's a fresh fresh uh, perspective, fresh off the weekend, and I can share my thoughts with you guys. Speaking of sharing thoughts, there was something that was happening. This is separate now. It, it ties to personal, but it, it created a story opportunity for me to share. When I'm trying to get out of Nevada, and as part of this, I have a place that I'm renting. So I rent here, and then I've got another place in the place that I was going. So I've been paying dual rent since January. And I don't like doing that, but it was the only way I could, because I planned to get out of here in January and a car fiasco happened. And if you're new, by the way, welcome. The story I'm telling preceded your arrival, but suffice to say that I had the roughest freaking time buying a car this year. I finally got that done. So I've got two cars paid for. I should not have two cars. That's part of the fiasco. Well, anyway, I'm trying to get out of Nevada. And so I was thinking about, okay, I don't really want to pay the two rents. So I want to get out of Nevada so I can stop paying two rents. But I also thought about maybe I don't want to rent in the new place either. And the reason for this is simple. My car is a plug-in hybrid. So I wanted to have a garage directly connected to the home that I could plug the deal in. Or 
at least have a garage of some kind where I can plug the car in. And in this place, it's a, it's a shared building. So I would not have that ability. And that bothered me a little bit. Plus it's a smaller unit, much smaller than where I'm at. I'm going to figure it's got to be probably half the size of where I'm at. And, you know, I don't use every last iota of space in the place that I'm at, but certainly in the office, home office, I need a lot of room. The living room, I need a decent amount of room. My bedroom, I did some math and it feels like that's going to be crazy small. So now I'm debating, okay, maybe I want to go somewhere else. So I was thinking about, okay, maybe if I rent another house, because I'm in a house right now. If I rent another house as opposed to an apartment or a condo or something, or perhaps I just buy something because I make a lot of money and I've got a lot of money incoming. Hopefully this month, hopefully starting this week, I don't know for sure, but hopefully this month I'm owed a lot of freaking money. I did the math. It's like 30 grand. It's actually more than that. It's probably like 40 grand because the other dude owes me money too. So I was thinking, okay, maybe that's the right answer. Maybe I just try to see about buying something because I would have enough for the down payment on pretty much anything I want. But then I hesitated ever so briefly. And the reason I hesitated has to do with like the situation I went through with the car. And that is ever since what happened with the pandemic, and I don't want to give too many of the gory details, but suffice to say, I struggled financially during the pandemic. It was hard. It was really hard. To the point, I was eating ketchup packets at a, at a period of time just to get by. So it was rough. And then I got my first endeavor, which is the one I was telling you about. And it was half, not half, but it was lower than my normal rate, but I made it work. And the guy, the contact who I fired, uh, he was delaying payments and all that stuff. I actually had to take him to collections. And then I was able to sign my second endeavor in October. And then with the second endeavor, that basically put me in a really good spot between the two of them, where I was able to get recovered get money stacked in the bank. I've got money on investments now. I was able to buy, in this case, two cars. It wasn't supposed to be two. supposed to be one, but there was a fiasco. Had to get by, and then I had to spend a lot of money to get the darn things registered, titled. I have both titles in my hand. They're fully registered. They got full stickers, full insured. Actually, the insurance is going to expire this month. Just, just reminded me. But I got all this stuff all situated, you know, with the cars. And then... I was stacking, stacking, stacking. I did an ATM run, multiple ATM runs. So I've got a box of just cash and it's like a lot. And then I got money in the bank and then I've got this incoming money. So I've been very anti-credit. I've been saying, I don't want another credit card because it's, it's a joke. It's a joke because, you know, I don't have anything directly, you know, against credit cards. The problem I got with credit cards is credit scores, the credit system. And it got me thinking, okay, I could do, I could have done a car loan to do the car. And I, I talked about doing it. I thought about doing it. They did the monthly payment. I'm like, that's a joke for a used car. Screw you. You can kiss my ass. Right. So I backed off this. Then when I'm thinking about this buying a house, well, I don't yet, not yet have enough money to just drop full throttle on the house because house prices are out of control. If we were still back in like the 80s, I could easily buy a house, no problem. If I chose to go to like Detroit and, you know, fear for my life, I could probably buy a house. That's not what I want to do. So I don't have yet have enough to buy a house straight out. So I figured, okay, maybe getting a home loan makes sense, especially if I do it uh, with an FHA with 20%, obviously. But like an FHA where it's not like a scummy lender, 
But even then I hesitated because again, it all comes back to credit scores. There was a really nice house. It's out in Nebraska and Nebraska isn't really where I want to be, but this was a really nice house, really well taken care of. It had everything I wanted. And the thing is the amount of the rent was actually lower than what I pay now, even though it was a much larger house, much nicer house, really well taken care of. So I reached out trying to see, Hey, what's the deal? What's the application process? Let's talk it out. And she said that, you know, the property, there's a property owner, they're representing the property owner and they're trying to get a renter in there. And they already denied one person because apparently the owners, it's a couple, what they're doing is they're using credit. And then if they don't like something on that, they basically want perfect credit. And I'm telling her, it's like, look, I, it, <laughs> I understand the screening process. It is what it is, but you know, money's not an object here. I'll literally pay a whole year. So, cause, and I'll get to this in a second. I'll literally pay a whole year. And she said, well, we don't do that. We never do that. And that's mind boggling. And because here's the thing with credit, and this is where my story begins. The initial impetus behind credit scoring, running credit was, we don't know how likely you are to pay us back. If I'm a bank, if I'm some sort of a lender, I don't know what's your likelihood of being able to pay it back, right? If I lend you money. That turned into another way to discriminate against people. And let's be honest, that's what it is. Because we had companies like jobs, employers, running credit on people to decide whether or not to hire them, even though a credit score has nothing to do with the, the job, being able to do the work. Now, if you're talking a bank teller, maybe you can make a case. But if we're talking like somebody working in IT, somebody working steel mill, somebody working oil rig, what the hell does a credit score do for you other than give you the opportunity to discriminate against those people? Because you simply don't want to hire them. You want to do everything you can to only hire a certain tier, certain threshold of people that meet what you like of people, which doesn't guarantee that they're the best workers. So then all these states start cracking laws down that say, no, you can't use credit screening to deny people. That's crap. But it shouldn't take a law to do that. It should be ethically understood that credit reports, that's not what they were designed for. Also, you should understand that every time somebody runs your credit as a hard pull, it lowers your credit score. And so they tell you all the time, be studious about when you run your credit. The thing is, sometimes it's not within your control. So as I'm thinking about this renter and they're basically, I'm being told, based on a credit report where they don't like something that they see, They'll just flat out deny. They don't care how much money you got. They don't care. They won't take a prepayment. They won't negotiate with you. They won't work with you. They'll just flat out deny you. That's doing everything you can to discriminate against this applicant, which is why they're having a hard time filling it. Because number one, it is expensive for the regular routine renter. But number two, you're doing everything you can to discriminate against them. So I start questioning. Why bother even putting it up for rent if all you're going to do is actively try to deny people as opposed to approve people. I'm not suggesting that you bend over with a jar of Vaseline. I am saying that there's got to be a middle ground. The middle ground is negotiation. The whole initial intent of credit score review was to identify your probability of paying whoever back. I don't even agree with it being used for renting because that doesn't prove that a person can pay rent month over month. The only thing that can prove that a person can pay rent month over month is A, job tenure, and B, salary. Those are the only two things that can guarantee you that you're going to be able to get paid 
even then, it's still not assured that the person won't get fired, laid off, cut, sick, disabled. You don't know. And so, yes, you have to take somewhat of a chance, which is why what should happen is you have a talk with the person, the applicant, the incumbent. This is what it used to be. You talk to them and understand their situation, understand what they're trying to do, and you meet them halfway and say, we understand your situation, we'll work with you, give me six months rent and we'll make a deal. They don't even want to do that anymore because they're so actively engaged in denying people because they want to discriminate against the applicant. So when she tells me this, I say, you know what, I'll just go a different direction. I'll go and continue my search for something else where it's like it used to be. It's a cash deal. Money's money. I'll make the money happen. I don't care if it's six months. I don't care if it's a year. Let's let's stop the garbage. Here's the money. Let's make a deal. Sign it, shake, sign, seal, deliver it. I'm yours and move on. And she's like, I'll talk to my boss. I'll talk to my boss. I know what your boss is going to say. It's not your call. It's the property manager. And I understand that. What I would like your boss to do is to have a sit down with your client and say, you're not going to get this thing filled with these agreed. You got to back off these requirements. You got to flex a little bit. And we can work with the applicant. We can put other standards in there. We can say, you know, you have to have two years worth of work experience. You got to have a business license if you're self-employed, whatever. You can find other ways to increase assurance, even though it's not exactly what you want, but you should not be discriminated against these people that are coming in. I can tell these are super rich folks. I can tell that just because of the nature of the house and the amount they want for it. Okay, I wouldn't call myself super rich, but geez, man, I make a lot of money, close to half a million. So I'm pretty sure I can afford your piddly little house. If I really set my mind to it, I'm pretty sure I could get a loan and buy a house just like it. I'm trying to work with you here. You make a little money. I get a house without having to go through the hoops that's involved in bank loans. So going through that helped me realize, okay, I'm not, the renting is not going to work because either I have to go to a place that's a compromise or I have to deal with this garbage where they're putting stupid requirements in front of it that they don't need. So this gets me thinking, maybe I should go ahead and just bite the bullet, do the home loan knowing that ultimately I make enough money that the damn thing will be paid off in a year. So maybe I'll just go that route and not worry about it. Okay, well, then it's where? Location, location, location. I got to think about that. I got to think about the closing. It takes usually two months, and that means I'm stuck here. Do I really want to do that? I have to actually give them notice next month for this place that I don't intend to renew. And then I get into this scramble, and I've been here before. I was here before in 2014 when I bought a house up in Washington State. And I'm not sure I want to go through it again. All I know for now is I got to get the hell out of Nevada. Well, then, what's that involve? Well, you got to get the home loan. Usually, you need to put 20% down. Your credit matters less. It matters, but not nearly as much as long as you got 20% down and you go with an FHA program and you can prove your source of income. You're pretty much a shoe-in. So I could theoretically do that now, at least once the checks start coming in, these other ones that I'm owed. I could theoretically do it now. Well then, do I do that or do I not do that? Here's the scam of credit and the reason that I hesitate and the, my summary thoughts on this whole business. Some stuff you may know, some stuff you may not know, but it's the reason that I hesitate taking out loans for any damn thing because I'm kind of sworn off credit, having worked at a credit agency before, having gone through the certification, having helped tons of people with their credit, having helped people with student loans, et cetera, it's all a scam. Like it, the credit scoring system in the United States, I specify, is all a scam. It's all a joke. It's all designed to discriminate. That's what it's for. It's designed to let the companies discriminate against you 
they don't really want to lend you money. The whole credit scoring system is essentially a caste-based system, C-A-S-T-E. It's designed to favor the people who ultimately have enough money where they don't need the loan. Think about it. When you go for a car and they run your credit and they're going to give you a rate, usually it's going to be somewhere in the 6 7 8% range normally. Sometimes you're at 14. Some rare people are at the lower end. But usually like 6%, 7% or something like this. That's the price, basically what they're charging you for the privilege of doing the loan that's assuming that they approve you. Well, the people who have the best credit, for the most part, are those who barely use it. They barely use any credit. And what they do, they pay it off, but they barely use it to make it easy to pay it off. So they'll tell you that's the strategy. Just barely use it. You know, sock drawer your credit card and only use it every now and then, every blue moon for a thing. Here's the downside of doing that. You can do that with a credit card. Credit reports really look at three primary dimensions of information in order to give you the best possible score. One is a home loan. Two is an auto loan of some kind or say an installment loan of some kind that's not a student loan. And three is a credit card. They want you to have a blend. They want you to have a mix. They want you to have different types of credit because if you just have credit cards in the scoring algorithm, that's not enough diversity of credit to get a good sense, according to the computer, mind you, that you are studious about paying your bills, as silly as that sounds. So you could have a credit card for 10 years, pay it, never miss a payment. Your credit score will never go above a threshold until and unless you get some sort of installment loan that is not a federal loan. So that's either a personal loan or like a car loan or some other installment loan. Like let's say you finance a TV and I'm not talking about on your Best Buy card. I'm talking about you take a loan for it. And I'm not talking about Rent-A-Center. I'm talking about you take a loan for it. They want that in addition to a home loan. The home loan is a different type of loan, and the diversity of the three is what gives you the greatest score possible. What's happened in the past is you'll have people who had parents, let's say, that either passed the home down to them, transferred a lease into their name, added them as a co-signer on something, and so it gets added to the credit report, and so then they benefit from it. People who are wealthier get the greatest benefit, obviously, because they were able to build up institutional wealth over time. This was a big thing with the GI Bill and in the past where certain families were enriched because they were given homes after they got out of the military. And certain other families, mostly those of minorities, were not given those homes, and so they had to build generational wealth the hard way. Some of them succeeded, some of them did not. So then people who were able to build up this institutional wealth on their own and get to a point where they have enough that they can just give a home to their kid or, or co-sign this or co-sign that or gift them a car. Maybe they pay all but one payment and then the kid pays one so they get the benefit of the credit. Now those kids get the diversity of credit. And so they get the highest credit score as long as they can maintain it. The moment you start applying for credit, then your credit score will go down because they're seeing, well, why are you seeking credit? Why are you looking for credit? Are you in trouble? You know, you're running out of money, which is a faulty metric. So, because if you apply for a car, there's multiple credit applications, credit pings, quote unquote, that are done to get a credit score for different factors and for different rules. When you go for a home, there's multiple that are done across all three credit, primary credit agencies. There's more than just the main three, but the primary three. And so all this can be damaging to your credit. So you can't really win. If you apply for credit, your credit gets harmed. 
If you don't have a diversity of credit, your credit can't go past the glass ceiling. And if you didn't, or if you weren't born into wealth, it's harder for you to build a credit profile and it's significantly harder to maintain it. Then the moment you have a lapse, there's no give, there's no grace, there's nothing. The moment you have a lapse, you're screwed because your score, could t- it takes you years to get up to the 800 or 900 credit scores, but you can lose it, boom, in the blink of an eye, just by missing one or two payments on something, it'll tank hundreds of points and it'll take years for you to rebuild it. Incomes bankruptcy, chapter 13 specifically, but also chapter seven. Bankruptcy was designed as a way for people who literally could not pay their debts to be able to either have them completely removed in chapter seven or a more manageable plan in chapter 13. These plans damage your credit for at least seven years up to 10 years because you're not paying the debts, right? It's That's the point. You're not paying a debt. And so the score is around the ability to pay off the debts. All right, no problem. What didn't happen during the pandemic, there was no attempt to insulate people from damage to the credit due to factors outside of their control. People who were cut from jobs because they refused to put a mask on their face. People who lost their jobs simply because the business shut down or simply because the business couldn't afford to pay them or because budgets got reallocated or hospitals where the beds got overloaded and so costs had to be redirected another way. No, at no point did any part of the government step in and say, credit agencies, you will not accept any negative reporting for the span of this pandemic. They could have done that. Instead, what they did is focus on the, quote, stimmies of a pittance, P-I-T-T-A-N-C-E, pittance payment sent to people, $1,400 here, $600 here. Of course, we're in an era where the median rent is a little bit over $1,200. That money wasn't going to do anything. And it was a waste. And we sent more of it overseas. At no point did we work to protect people's credit and insulate them from damage that was outside of their control, which they could have done. That would have gone a longer way towards the recovery that we now are struggling to do, which is make sure people's credit is not in the crapper due to things that are outside of their control. This then, in summary, is why I'm so anti-credit now, because I came out of the whole pandemic issues that I was having, And I was not helped by any credit. I was not helped by any credit card. I wasn't helped by any loan. I wasn't helped by anything credit. And I purposely avoided it. I was helped by cold, hard, freaking cash, debit accounts, a bank account that I've had for, geez, almost 20 years now. That's what helped me recover. And so I said, I'm going to focus that direction. And I've worked in multiple of these vendors to say, I need to make sure you accept cash because that's what I'm going to give you. When I had the issue with the car that I don't want to keep and I had to replace the uh, carburetor, the uh, catalytic converter, rather, 4,000 bucks. The guy's like, well, we got credit plans. And I said, no, I'll pay cash. Are you sure? Yes, I'm 100% sure. And I took cash down there straight up. And I like your style because credit didn't help me when I needed it. Credit was the antithesis of what I needed. I was against it. I'm still against it now. So now I got to think about if I do decide to buy a house and I'm forced to do credit, all right, I have no choice because the amount currently is too high and I don't have the time necessary to build up enough to where I could just buy it fresh out. I wish I did, but I don't. If something changes where I get another uh, endeavor, I sign another endeavor and they're willing to pay me what I want, obviously the game changes because at that point I'll be well over 700 grand. 
and then I can accumulate and build and do what I got to do. It's unlikely I'll have that in the next two months. So for now, I'll have to bite the bullet, consider getting just a straight up uh, home loan, having no other credit on the books, probably have to do FHA simply because of the situation that I was in. I'm pretty sure I'll have the 20% down, no issue. But then there's a two-month, obviously, it's a two-month process to get what you need. So then I'll have to figure out, do I go to the place that I'm paying for up there? Or do I, you know, do an extended stay or something until this is all set up? So in summary, in short, I'm not saying that my situation is helpful or beneficial or even logical for everybody out there. I'm not suggesting that you should never do credit or take loans or anything else. I am saying that for my situation, specifically to me, credit didn't help me when I needed it. It wasn't going to help me when it needed it because the government made sure that it could not help me. Credit was always used against me. In the point I really would have needed it, I already knew it wasn't going to be there for me. And I treat it as the enemy. I view it consistently as the enemy. Cash was my friend. When it was made available to me, cash was my friend. Credit was not. And I've said, I'm not going to bow down to credit, which is why for the cars, I pay for them cash, both of them. I refuse to do a loan. And everywhere possible, I'm not going to do credit. I refuse to do credit cards. I considered a secured card. I decided against it because ultimately, what would I use it for that I can just use my debit card? So that's how I'm feeling. That's how, I, that's how I'm feeling. As weird as that sounds, and I know it'll sound strange to people, but I felt it was necessary to share that story because some people might have been, in fact, I'm pretty sure a lot of you, were damaged by the pandemic like I was. Probably not to the same degree, especially if you were a dual-income family. I'm not a dual-income family. I'm a single-income family. And I made choices to hire some young folks to help them get some work and help them get by, and that decision put me in the red. I don't regret it. However, I have to make smarter decisions now from an economics perspective. And I think I've made the right decisions. I think I made the right choices. I found that there's more money left over. Imagine that. I was able to get a new, and I'll tell a story about this one sometime later. I got a new fryer. You're like, what's the big deal? Trust me, it's a big deal. I may tell a story about that one, getting the new fryer. I was able to get a couple of games that I don't, some of them I'll probably never play, but I did it for collector's reasons and some other items. And, and I got plenty of money left over. I don't have to worry about it. That's the way I should be. And I realized that a lot of that comfort and sanity came from moving away from credit and not putting myself in the hole in the first place and just sticking with cash. If I use cash to pay for things, I can only buy whatever's in my wallet. So I make sure to measure what goes in my wallet. I don't spend on the debit card except for my spending account. Spending account has a controlled amount of money that's made available to it. Only in the extreme of emergencies, so like I bought a replacement TV, so then I had to shift some money over to be able to do that one purchase and control the spend and get to the point where I am relying more on cash and not having to think about credit. I will tell the story about the fryer, and I'll also tell the story about this money management strategy because it may help other people. But I want to stress, I'm not telling you what to do with your money or what to do with your finances or that credit is or isn't for you. Simply sharing that credit wasn't there for me when I needed it. I knew it wasn't going to be because I know how credit works. And I knew that the government did not allow for controlling it to make sure that people were not damaged and then left behind because of credit in a world where buying a new car pretty much requires a loan. I wasn't going to go there. If you make enough money where you can just buy a car fresh out scratch, I would recommend it. But we know the real deal. We know that 
it's harder because the prices are higher. For what it's worth, the story is that new car prices are going to come down. So we'll have to see if that helps any. I'm skeptical, but I'll continue stacking cash because I'm going to pay for everything I can with good old greenbacks until I no longer can. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process. That's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.